Hello and welcome to The Swim Brief. I am Chris DeSantis and today we're doing something pretty different on The Swim Brief. We have a guest. Um, I get feedback from a lot of people who say, hey, why don't you have guests anymore on The Swim Brief? So I'm going to explain a little bit. Uh, we were actually just talking about it offline, how I came to have today's guest on here. Um, but essentially, I get approached on a fairly frequent basis uh, for people to appear on this. And for the most part, I say no. Um, but today I said yes. Uh, and that's because uh, the guest that we have on, her name is Lindsay Wilson. Uh, she's a performance coach and uh, she's from Positive Performance and Mindset Academy. We're going to ask her what all those things mean as we talk to her on this. Um, but I got to see a little clip of her and I said, first I said, She's talking about stuff that's really relevant to listeners of this podcast. And the second was, I was just curious. So I knew that when I got on here and I started asking questions, Lindsay, I would not have to manufacture any curiosity about who you are and um, what you're up to. And the people who listen to this, if nothing else, they go for authenticity. So, uh, Lindsay, welcome. Thank you for having me. It's um, nice to to be here, and I do feel rather special that you chose. <laughs> but I also get it as a podcast host. There's nothing worse than being like, "Oh, is this person going to make my job easier or more difficult?" Right. Right. I think you're going to make it easier to talk about <laughs> some stuff that I want to talk about anyway. So uh, I think you know, I, I my my hopes are are very high. And I think you're very brave. I want to pay you one more compliment before we get started. Um, I think you're very brave too, because I wrote in there, I was like, you're going to have to be able to deal with my uh, sense of humor. And you were like, yeah, I'm game. Let's do this. So Let's do it. yeah, I love There's that. There's nothing worse than somebody that can't take a joke or laugh at themselves. Like nobody <laughs> wants to listen to that. <laughs> yeah, but it's tough. You know, we, 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 we got to talk a little bit before we, we started this, but essentially, you know, this is the first time we've spoken to each other directly. Yeah. Um, and uh, again, I referred to that uh, to being a, a, a tough part of the format. So anyway, I want to ask you some stuff about yourself so people who are listening can get to know who you are a little bit before they figure out what it is you know and, and what it is you do. Um, so give us a little bit of the, uh, the, the five to 10 minute bio of Lindsey Wilson as an athlete and a coach. So people can, uh, can, can learn more about you. Yeah. So, well, I'll start with the present, which is I'm a mindset and mental performance coach. And my main, um, work right now is actually training other coaches. So we have a four month dual certification program that we focus on really training other mindset and mental performance coaches in how to coach and how to start their own businesses from scratch. Um, and also within that, we do something called the performance visualization specialist training. So we're very, um, committed to teaching guided visualizations and imagery work. So that's really my focus right now. I also have four young children as Chris and I talked about. Um, so that keeps me rather busy. Um, but how I got into this field was like, I always say people get into this field either because they were lucky enough to get mindset coaching or they were not so lucky and they want someone else to not have that, you know, terrible experience that they did. I'm yeah. number two for You're sure. Yes. Two. Okay. I'm actually number one. Um, I was lucky enough to get a mindset coach, um, at 16 years old. I actually had somebody earlier than that. Um, but I hadn't really needed it yet. Right. And, but I started learning about meditation and imagery at about 12 and then 16, I was like full on the struggle bus. I was a basketball player. And I really wanted to play professionally and collegiately and was doing all the physical work, had enough talent um, and skill to do that. And so it was very obvious that the mental component was holding me back and right. it was super frustrating. And I just like probably a lot of people listening either as a parent or an athlete or, or as a coach, like, you know, that the problem is you and, and that it's your mind, but you just can't figure out or you don't know that the solution is also your mind. And, and I Sorry, just, what was, what was going on for you? Let me just, let me just interrupt. Like so, what was going I mean, on that you say it was obvious. Yeah, so what was obvious easiest, to you at the time? You know, so I was a basketball player, right? So like when I was playing, I was thinking and second guessing myself and hesitating. And I was worried about what the coach thought and what my teammates thought. And I was shooting when I should have been passing and passing when I should have been shooting. And 
worried about getting a college scholarship. And it like, it, it like drained all of the fun out of it, yeah. which made it worse. And yeah. I remember at 16, like feeling like my dream is going to go, you know, like, like a lot of athletes, there's a window, you either do it or you don't. And that doesn't necessarily help you like stay present, you no. know? Um, and so I got a coach and he taught me a lot of things, but I think the main thing and, and what is one of the things that I try to instill, whether I work with someone or not, is that, yes, your mind is the problem and your mind is also the solution, similar to yeah. what I said earlier. Um, and that there's very simple things you can do to start training your mind. You're spending all this time lifting weights, running hills, shooting, you know, till the lights go out really, but you're not doing anything for the mindset. And once I started learning very simple things, positive self-talk, some imagery work, um, learning about how our subconscious brain pulls us back, positive psychology stuff. I'm sure the main of the stuff that you learned, um, uh, with your degree, like I started learning the basic stuff of that and it made so much sense to me and it worked immediately. I mean, I was a different person on the court, went to college, had to learn a lot of the things again at the next level, ended yep. up playing professionally, learned much more, got into hypnosis um, in my early 20s and started practicing that. Um, but really the reason that I got into this field is because I learned these lessons, felt so fortunate, they changed my life. And then at every level I went up, I looked around and I was like, how come I'm the only one that knows this stuff? And maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit, but not that much. I had teammates and competitors and friends all around me that were struggling and no one right. was talking about it. No one knew what to do about it. And it was like sink or swim. Some people are going to figure it out. We don't even know why those people figured out. And like, let's go. Yeah. And so I decided that I was... Oh, it was kind of one of the things I was like, why isn't anybody teaching this? Oh, oh wait. Okay. So that's, I guess that's going to be me and started very slowly just working with people. And I immediately, I was working with some college teams right after college. I was playing professionally. I'd come back and I'd work with, um, you know, former coaches or people that I'd played against and they would bring me into their teams. And, and the, the feedback that I got right away was why has no one taught this to us before? Why have I not learned this before? which yeah. was exactly my question. And so I said, okay, I'm on to something. And I just kind of kept building my business from there. I was still playing though. I played until I was 30 overseas. And so I would kind of practice this stuff myself and then I would go work with teams and, and so on and so forth. So that's in a nutshell. Yeah. I was looking this up in the background. I, you know, I'm um, <laughs> sometimes my ADHD brain is like, uh, you know, always cramming my homework in at the last minute. So no um, I knew that you, you had been a professional basketball player. So you drafted by the Connecticut sun. Is that correct? Yes. Um, and then uh, you played overseas as well, as you said, until you were 30 and then you were developing some of this stuff you were doing because, you know, uh, I think many people in their mind imagine like pro athlete. Well, that's just like your whole life and, you know, you're yeah. making millions of dollars, but the reality of like most even pro athletes is they're hustling for something else to sort of piece it together so that they can still play the sport. They love it. And this is that sort of the origin for you. Um, in um, getting actually some not really stuff? only because I was making enough, um, Oh, so you didn't As need a basketball to do this. player to support myself. It was more like, I'm not making enough to retire at 30. Yeah. And what am I going to do after? And uh, I've never had a real job. I still have never had a real job. Good and I would say mostly it was the passion of like, I need to pay this forward because this is ridiculous. Like, this is crazy. This is crazy. Like of all the money, like I played at Iowa State. It was like, top level, everything like mm -hmm. charter planes, like women's basketball. There's huge. We were playing in front of 14,000 people. Sometimes it was, it was crazy. And this was of course, 20 years ago. Um, and I am fully certain that if I had raised my hand or any of us had raised our hand and said, we are struggling mentally that there right. would have been resources. Right. I have no doubt of that. Our coaches were awesome, but it was not a normal part of our training. There was yep. no resources allocated specifically to the 
almost like the prevention of mental challenges. I'm not talking about mental um, health, you know, as far as um, depression and anxiety and clinical things, just the normal idea of like, you're playing on national TV every week. You are failing. You are making game winning shots. You are missing game winning shots. You are balancing school. You're away from home for the first time. You're going from being the best on your high school team to probably the worst on the college team. There is a whole lot of mental and emotional components to that, that we all were just supposed to figure out on our own. And to me, that is ridiculous. Um, and so anyway, so that's, that was the origin of the, of, of the business. And I was lucky enough that it wasn't my primary income for a while and I was still playing. So I was very much yeah. like, okay, I'm going to figure out what works for me. And I got a lot of training. Like I did hypnosis training. I did a bunch of work with the, um, the Pacific Institute, um, who I think had been trained with, is, it was, was Seldman the person that you studied under? Yeah. Yeah. So they took a lot of that kind of stuff with positive psychology. And so I learned a lot of that stuff. And I would like take what worked for me and kind of leave the rest. But since I was playing, I was like, okay, this works. This doesn't. This is like great, but maybe not for athletes. And, you know, any other person would come up with a totally different um, belief about that. But I kind of took what I wanted and I kind of came up with what I thought was the most important for athletes. And so I would go teach it. And then I would go yeah. overseas and I would play and tweak it some more and then come back and work. And, you know, I had some good connections. So I was working with co college teams because I'd played at a high level. Um, but it just kind of grew from there. And then when I came back, I really realized that if I want to reach more athletes, it's really through the coaches and more mindset coaches, more mental performance coaches out there, more coaches that are trained as and certified in mental performance training so that they can do that stuff every day. And so then I really switched to more tr coaching the coaches. Yeah. Which is what I do I mean, I, I, so much of what you said resonated with me. Uh, one of the things I tell people all the time is uh, I got a master's in, it actually says master's in applied positive psychology. Amazing. And so cool. there's, there's a big lie in that though. It's the applied part. They, they didn't teach me the applied part. And I remember getting mm. to the end of the program and I had a realization. I was thinking like, I didn't learn how to apply anything. We just learned, like we sat there and we got the most amazing theories on, you know, stuff that um, people had put, I'm, I don't want to denigrate this. People had poured like blood and sweat and yeah. tears into researching and testing out, you know, yeah. this stuff. But I, I remember I, I spoke to one of the directors of the program and I just said like, hey, I don't really think I learned the applied part. Now I have to go out into the sporting world and I'm, I have this, this title. He said, figure it out. Mm -hmm. And so the last, I got my degree in 2009. I mean, the last 14 years has just been a process of, okay, yeah. what actually works? <laughs> what, what, right. what is not just theory on the page? what can I figure out a way to actually make work um, in the lives of, of normal people? And then the second mm -hmm. part you talk about is the, the coaching piece of it. I've been quite focused on that as well because I've kind of done a couple different re renditions of, of my own uh, business, right? I had a pre-pandemic version and then I got a chance to sort of think for a long time and reboot in this version. And one of the themes of rebooting in the second version is I just think coaches, coaches are like a force multiplier. I mean, you can coach a single athlete on a team and you can make a difference and you can teach them things. And um, there's absolutely value in that. If you can work with a coach, you're talking X, however many people are involved with that team, mm -hmm. right? So it's just, um, it's a whole different scale of what you can accomplish when coaches are involved. And that's actually one of the reasons why I was interested in bringing you on. Cause I, I heard you speaking to um, that piece of it and people may be questioning like, Hey, why is Chris bringing somebody on his podcast who may be nominally a competitor to what he's doing? I'm thinking to myself, like more people need to get the message um, that you're delivering. Even people that um, may end up, uh, signing up for something different than than what it is I do. I'm just interested in more people having that revelation that you have that goes, there's a lot of value in teaching some of this stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that 
I just believe so wholeheartedly is that, you know, for any of us as, you know, let's say people that influence others and lead others, whether you're the head coach or the assistant coach or your parent or you're an entrepreneur or you do what we do, it doesn't really matter. Um, but it's so often that we want other people to change. We want the young athlete to learn about being positive. Meanwhile, we're over here like with negative self-talk or being, you know, we're a perfectionist or we're, you know, bringing our stuff onto the field or onto the, into practice. And it's like, we really have to practice this stuff. I always like give the analogy uh, or the example of like, I remember being overseas like five years into my career and I was pretty much always the same weight. Like I was never heavier. I was never skinnier. And I remember specifically sitting in a meeting with one of our trainers and our doctor and I was playing overseas and he was sitting, at, sitting there smoking a cigarette and he was basically telling me in, in some foreign language, I don't remember what country I was in, to lose weight. And... <laughs> Sorry. Also the guys that would be taking shots before our game on the bus. But anyway, um I'm thinking Eastern remember, Europe, just just based on a couple of data points here. Like, yeah. <laughs> so um and I was just like, you know, it's like people have to live it for for any of us yeah. to listen to it. You know, yeah. it's just and it's not even that like anybody needs to be in your own brain. It's just people intuitively know if you're full of shit. Yeah. Excuse my language. I don't know if I can swear on this. No, but. you can definitely say full of shit on this podcast. Please <laughs> say like that. It's the authenticity <laughs> piece that our deep brain just picks up. Yeah. And so for a coach to be like, yeah, my athletes, da, 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 and they need to be doing And it's like, if you're not practicing, you don't have to have it perfect. But if you're not practicing what you preach, it's not going to work. It's just not. Right. And so I think that's one of the things that I didn't necessarily know immediately, but as I started working with more teams, um, and I don't really work with teams anymore, not, not that much at least, but I coach other coaches that are working with teams and it's, and as coaches, like we have to be practicing this stuff because otherwise right. our message, it just falls flat and we won't necessarily know why it falls flat, but it just does. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I, I actually want to ask you more about this because this is one of the things that really piques my curiosity because I, I, I think I am still in the process of figuring out how I want to communicate with coaches about this very topic. Because I think when sometimes when you start down this road where you, you're, you're telling a coach like, yeah, you got to live some of this um, or else you are going to seem like you're full of it. Right. Um, they start thinking like that you're telling them that, you know, you can't stress physical fitness unless you have ripped abs. Like, and that's not what, that's not what we're trying to communicate. It's like, there's a coaching version of walking your walk. That doesn't mean like, you know, you're the fittest, you know, best player on the team, right? You, the whole point of being a coach is that you've moved on to a certain extent from your own um, physical participation in the sport. Um, but I do think that like a lot of coaches transition to a place where they're not thinking so much about, um, living it. So, I mean, how do you even, I guess I'm getting to a question here. How do you even get people started, right? The, the, overcome some of that natural resistance from coaches who just think like, what's well, my job to like get these other people to do things, but doesn't matter whether I'm doing them in my own life or not. Well, I mean, I, I think the first thing would be talking to them about like whatever their example is in their life, as far as like who they take inspiration from and who they listen to. And my guess is that it's people that are living it. Yeah. Like we don't want to, work with a personal trainer that is sitting over there eating a donut and not yeah. working out. Does it mean again, like we don't have to go to the extremes. Right. right? I don't need but a bodybuilder. Like, I don't, I don't need the, the, no, the, the but like Mr. Olympia training me. That yeah. does what they say is important. And I think, you know, when you're talking about like the self care of people of coaches in particular, it generally is kind of shitty. 
You know, a yeah. lot of them are living like super high stress and they don't necessarily see the connection between them taking care of themselves and how they show up. And I do think that's a, a mountain you might not be able to climb in one day, but just sort of that idea of like, who do you listen to? You really do want to listen to somebody, you know, if you're getting business advice, you want it to be somebody that is doing business how you want to be doing business. Right. You know, it's not that hard to of a concept to really understand when you're thinking about your own life. You don't want to go to a financial advisor that's poor. You know, <laughs> like it's just yeah. like yeah. And so um I think the authenticity piece is really really important and I what I can say when I was working with teams more regularly is just the you know, if they can't make the transition to like, you have to live this, it's more like, this is a package deal. If we want to do like, for example, a pre-practice routine, everybody needs to be doing it together. Hmm. The trainer, the manager that's filling up the water bottles, like let's do it all together. It's really important. It takes five minutes. Right. So little things like that, sometimes you're not going to crack the whole nut. It's just more like, we're going to do these little things together. Um, and you know, and you also, for me, it was like, they were bringing me in. I can't remember what I was charging at that point, but it was thousands of dollars. So it's like, there's gonna be times when the coaches are invited. And there's also many times when I'm just working with the athletes and that's all very intentional, but we yeah. all need to be on the same page. Um, and I would also say if one of the other things that I would always say is like, um, you know, it's really important that they see that you are bought in. And if you have any doubts, it's sort of like, you know, if you started lifting weights, the only, I would say this, the only way that you're going to be really bought into doing this stuff is if you do it yourself. And yeah. you can imagine that, like, if you started a weight routine and people like rolled their eyes now in 2023, no coach would give a crap if their athletes rolled their eyes because we know that it works. Yeah. You know, there's like zero doubt that it works. And so for coaches to get to the place where they have lived mindset and mental performance coaching and they know that it works, they're less worried about like a single athlete rolling their eyes or like, but the, the athletes aren't bought in or they're not, they don't like it. No one says that about weightlifting. Right. No coach has ever. I certainly said, don't. Coaches don't <laughs> like it, or my athletes don't like it. Who gives a shit? Yeah. I don't care if they like it or not. Right. And I hope that we can get to that point with mental training. I hope they like it, but that's not the point. The point is to make it a part of training in the way that anything else is. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's. I you you remind me of something that I was thinking about as I was listening to you earlier, which is that there's just so so much untapped potential in this. I mean, I see in the swimming world. Like I, I think we have, or so sophisticated, um, across the swimming world in terms of training people physically. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's incredible what yeah. we've accomplished, um, in terms of just getting people physically fit and up to these just incredible levels. Um, and then, but you look at like some of the ways people plan out a whole year and it's like, okay, we've got a few things we can tweak here and there to get one or two more percent sort of uh, performance. And then we're neglecting this whole area, which is just like, it, it, it's, it's, it's just untapped for improvement. Like there's so much improvement that you can make, even in, even in a rarely a somewhat limited amount of time, you can just right. push stuff so far forward. Um, and I think, getting to a point where people can, can see that um, and more people are getting there. I think for sure. Uh, I have seen a change even since I started in 2016, I'm sure you've seen a change in the terms of people's openness to something like this um, and their, their sort of thoughtfulness and planning about like, yeah, this is going to be a piece of what we're doing uh, from here on out. Well, if you think about the reasons that sports has been a part, you know, I, I played in Greece, so we, I went over to ancient Olympia and I saw where the Olympic Games started. And, you know, all of us that have been involved in sports, 
and for you that is still competing, like it's about who you can become as you push yourself. Right. I mean, and it's about the relationships, but like at its core, it is about being scared. It is about pushing past your comfort zones. It is about becoming a better version of yourself. That is what sports are for. It is yep. not to get to the Olympic Games, although that would be nice, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so if we really think about that, and that is why parents spend inordinate amounts of money, you know, it's not to shave off a second. That is great. But who do you become as the person that is able to, to shave that second off? That's right. what it's for. And I think when we recognize that, there's all these lessons and growth that have nothing to do with our times and nothing to do with what level we get to. And it's really about this lifelong ability to push ourselves to another level. And that's all mental stuff. Yeah. It is not about what swimsuit you choose. It is not (laughs) about what coach you have. All of that stuff is about you becoming this better version of yourself. And so if we're neglecting the whole point, like what is the point? And so, and those things, when you learn how to push yourself and you learn the mental component to get to that level, that's the skill set that you take to every single part of your life forever. Yep. And you get to just keep practicing that skill set. I mean, if any athlete, any coach, any parent listens to this and says, yeah, that's what we want. Congratulations. That is available to everybody. Yeah. Whatever your VO2 max is, you know, like (laughs) it is available to everyone. Amen. And it's more available if we take some time, not the whole practice, some of the time practicing these mental skills so that then we can do them when we're out of breath and doing that last, you know, hundred or whatever, you know? And so it, it really, these are the skills we practice in practice physically, but if we can take some time and do them mentally, we are more prepared for those situations. I want to ask you about um, more some 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 more specific stuff because uh, in in getting introduced to you, um, I had a chance to just watch you talk a little bit on this criminally underviewed YouTube video. But we'll see if we can change that. Maybe I'll <laughs> link to it um, in the bottom. And it, it's titled Six Steps All Coaches and Mindset Coaches Must Implement." Um, and I'm not going to ask you to go over all six points here in the course of this podcast. People can watch the video. Um, but I guess, uh, I can see that this is something like, you know, maybe you've given some time and thought to sort of the broad outlines of what your process is for, uh, training a coach. And I just want to give you a chance to talk a little bit about some of what's in there and how you start with anybody. Um, I think probably for the purpose of this, we have a lot of people listening, right? Who are coaches who are day-to-day coaching a team, coaching um, athletes, training them through practice. I mean, what are some of the principles you start with? Well, let me just plug the um, ebook first, which is our how to become a mental performance coach. Um, it's at positiveperformancetraining.com forward slash guide. And I'll give you the link to Chris to put in the show notes. But, and I'm saying that because that six step framework that we use is in that guide. So if you're interested in being a mental performance coach, even for your existing team, or you want to start your own business as a mindset coach, um, the, how to become a mental performance coach is a really great and free. It's about 70 pages, got a lot of stuff in it, but it does have the six part framework. Okay. So the six part framework, you know, I've been a mindset mental performance coach for like 18 years which sounds crazy, but damn, you um, got me beat. You got me beat. (laughs) So (laughs) the reason that I came up with this framework is, and it it did, it probably took me 18 years because I've taught all kinds of things. And, and that is part of the problem, right? So a lot of coaches come to our certification and they actually have a lot of tools, a lot of experience, a lot of you know, books they've read and podcasts they've listened to and maybe even degrees, but they don't know how to put it together and they feel very overwhelmed with what to start with. Mm. And, you know, we are in an age where there's so much information out there. It can be really overwhelming. Yep. And I think we also have this idea that every human being is so unique that they need a customized specialized, unique plan. 
And I really think that that's bullshit. This is one I of my favorite parts of your video, by the way. So I'm glad you got to that piece of it. Because I was laughing listening to you say that in the video. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're playing the hits. Well, I also think that that's part of the problem, right? So like a parent has an athlete that's struggling and they don't know what to do and the athlete's struggling and they feel like their problem is so unique, it actually makes the problem worse, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of like, oh, you're nervous before a race, congratulations, because everybody is. Yeah. And I'm kind of simplifying it, but you know what I mean? It's like, oh, wow, that's such a big problem. It's not a big problem. It's not a big problem. And you are not the first person or even the 1,000th person to have that problem. And so I think that's sort of why this is important too, is like, not everybody needs a customized, personalized plan. And I think that that does all of us a disservice you know, and, and you can think about it with any of the physical training or weight training. It's like people pretty much need the same things when they're first starting, you know, and it's it's not actually all that complicated. So what we teach is a six part framework. And I would say, you know, like, honestly, 99 percent of athletes can really benefit from just these six things. And once they I don't want to say master, but once they sort of figure these six steps out, there's obviously more to to do. I mean, you can work with a mindset and mental performance coach and work on your own forever, your entire life. There's no, you know, there's no limit to it, but where we start and what we focus on in the beginning, sometimes I think people can look at this framework and like, well, that's kind of simple. That's the whole point. Mm. Like if we can start with simple, then we build. And I'll go really quickly through the six steps if you want me to. Do it. Let's do it. Give, give okay, us the a first quick one version. is just how the brain works, which I am sure that with your masters, you learned a ton about this, the subconscious versus the conscious. And, you know, just really understanding. I think the, the key with this is like for athletes or anybody to really understand how much our subconscious brain holds us back. Because I think if you don't know this, you're like, but I'm practicing and working really hard. Like why I want to be successful. Why is this so hard? And there's always this part of your brain that's holding you back. And I think once you understand even the basic psychology of that, it's pretty empowering. Um, the second one is any kind of like thought shifting, um, and real tools that help that. So we do something called the tear process, which is really cognitive behavioral science, which is, you know, thoughts become emotions and actions and results. Um, and then visualization. Um, so just real solid tools, but, but simple ones that can really have a big impact on people. And then these next four are ones that I think if, if you're a coach, um, I, I like the six steps altogether, but I actually don't think you need to do all six. If you don't want to, you could just pick one or two and implement them. The next four are really, um, very actionable. And I would say kind of low hanging fruit because you can implement them and then you can go deeper. So number three is our pre-practice routine. And we teach something called the braver, which is on our website as well, but it's a five minute pre-practice routine that everybody does together. It includes breathing, um, a reset word, affirmations, visualization. Um, it's, it's an acronym and it's a whole thing. And we have a whole book and a process that we teach, but that's ours and you can get it and use it if you want to, but really anything that like switches people from like school life relationships to practice. Yeah. It sounds so simple and it is so overlooked. It's really like- overlooked. I mean, you, you have so many kids, I think that uh, kids, especially that are not enjoying sports and it becomes this chicken and egg where it's like they're not in the moment of what they're doing, so they don't enjoy it. So they don't get into the moment the next time they're going to do it, so they don't enjoy it. Like, And it feeds yeah. itself. And so any kind of intervention where you can just get people to like into the space where the magic happens yep. <laughs> in sports. Yeah. I'm so a pre-practice it. routine. That's the third. Um, the fourth is a pre game or pre race routine. And I find that a lot of people just don't have this or they don't have the awareness of really where they're supposed to be mentally. They don't know really how their brain works and even little switches. Like, you know, I imagine that a lot of people have pre race and they call it anxiety or pre race nerves. And even switching that from to excitement can be a huge mental shift, even though it's the same physiological reaction. Um, yeah. the awareness of what's worked for them before. 
um, the ability to get yourself in the same mental space, regardless of who you're competing against. If it's a, you know, a, a practice meet versus state qualifiers, can you have the control and the tools to get yourself in the same mind, mental state every single time? Um, that's a really important skill set and uh, something that can make a huge, huge difference in people's performance. Yeah. I always um, ask people like, what's your plan, right? Because yeah. I'll, I'll get somebody that comes to me um, for coaching and, and almost always um, the inciting, what they say is the reason on the front end is like, yeah, I have a lot of that pre-race nerves and I feel like it's really inhibiting my performance. Mm -hmm. And I, I, of course, I don't launch right in with this question from the beginning, but it's at a certain point, I'll just ask them like, hey, what's your plan? And almost inevitably they'll go, well, I have no plan. Mm -hmm. And so just even doing the work to like develop a plan, you know, yeah. it puts so much ease in your mind because you didn't even realize that you're just like winging it time after time after time and hoping mm -hmm. for a different result versus like, oh, maybe there's something intentional that I can create that will actually result in me being different on the other end of this. And it's such a play. I mean, I think you're right. And this is where, you know, you can go pretty in depth with a pre-competition routine, right? But For you sure. can also be very simple. Like you said, just have a plan, like what music are you going to listen to? Yeah. You know, and like that can serve as like a really grounding exercise when they're feeling like they don't have any control. Cause that's what's happening, right? The body's in fight or flight. And instead of being like, this is the normal response, my, this is my, you know, it's like, one of the things we talk about is the difference between nervousness and excitement is I feel nervous. I get butterflies in my stomach. And then the story that I tell myself is, uh Oh, I'm not ready. Yeah. Versus the, <laughs> the butterflies. Yeah. It's like, Oh, this is my body getting ready to freaking slay it right now. Yeah. You know, that's a, that's a slight, but significant shift. Yep. And that's one of the benefits of working with a mental performance coach such as yourself. So, um, Okay. So that would be pre during is interesting. Um, and I'm, I've done this with swimmers, but I'm actually interested in your thoughts. So we teach a reset ritual. Okay. Mm. So, um, in basketball, it would be something like you'd have a reset word, a hand signal and a deep breath. Um, I remember one of my swimmers used the image of pressing a red button while he was swimming, when he needed to reset, if he missed the wall or his timing was, was off, or he made some sort of, so we use it as a mistake or as a reset. So mm -hmm. in basketball, it'd be like timeouts, uh, water, water breaks in practice in between drills, you practicing in practice. And then in competition, free throws, um, dead balls, even, you know, anytime you can get in that breath. And again, it's dependent on the sport, right? So like in swimming, you wouldn't be able to necessarily do all of that. Um, but that's really significant, but it's only significant if they practice it ahead of time. Yeah. Right? Everybody wants to know what to do in the middle of a competition. <laughs> yeah, just teach me speak. the tri magic trick yeah. and I'll just do that. And you're like, no, that's not how magic works. <laughs> no, but this can become your thing in that moment yeah. that really helps you. Um, so yeah, so that would be step five. And, and then, by the way, can I, can I just compliment you? I think that, that the, the swimming piece of it, from what I heard there is very smartly designed because I think one of the challenges you have in the, in the sport of swimming specifically is just on a sensorial level. Like it's such so much at once that anything more complex than what you just suggest is probably designed to fail in a swimming yeah. situation. So you really have to have it like down to one image or one word, and maybe you have something complex that you want to, um, sort of embed into that. And that's where the work comes outside of, totally. of that moment. Yeah. So I, I really like that. Yeah. Cool. Um, and then step six would be post-competition, <clears throat> post-race, some sort of evaluation. Yep. Um, <clears throat> because what we Gosh, see there's so is much to be done in evaluation. <laughs> so much. And it's such a missed opportunity, right? For better or worse in that moment, right? Like most people, if they win, and they get the time that they want or whatever, they feel good and they just move right on. Yep. And if it doesn't go well, they're in like the depths of despair and that feels so shitty that they also just move right on. 
just carrying that awful feeling, but not yeah. actually learning anything. Right. And so really teaching, you know, a post-competition routine sounds so simple um, and, it, and it should be, but the whole purpose of it is to learn to do something that we call critiquing versus criticizing. And what I mean by that is moving out of the emotions to mm. the learning. Yep. So can they figure out what went well, what didn't go well, and how they can do better? That's as simple as it can get. But that has to be in the place where they're not, I'm the worst swimmer in the world, or I'm the best swimmer in the world. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, it's not, it's not any of those. It's what went well, what didn't go well, what can I do better? If they can move into that, there's the opportunity to get better every single time, regardless of the results. And that is one of those things that you can take forever with you. Yep. You know, like that is such a big mental skill, so simple, but so effective in so many parts of life. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I want to speak specifically to that last one, but I just want to say in general for all six of these, I think part of what attracted me to it and, and, and your presentation was just that these are all things, like I said, I, I referenced, you know, asking people like what their plan are. These are all things, which I'm sure you've seen this in your experience that like when you start digging in and working with people on it, you can just like see that they don't have something intentional set up. So like, there's just so much room for improvement just by putting something in totally. there, like just get something in that place because otherwise you're just going on autopilot and you're wondering like, why am I having such a bad time doing this? Like you wouldn't do that in any other part of your sport. You wouldn't just be like, you know, I, I'm going to, you've been doing so good with your swimming analogies. I'm going to give a basketball analogy. You wouldn't just say like, Hey, we're not going to shoot free throws all year. We'll just see how we do in the game. Like right. that would be an insane strategy, right? You right. practice things that you're going to, um, going to try and do. I mean, I, and I think in the last one, you're talking about evaluation again, having something is infinitely better than not having anything. One of the simplest things that uh, I've done with, uh, has worked very, very well with uh, people, especially on the higher end, swimming wise, people who are like really critical of themselves, um, is I just force them into a, a one to 100 rating of themselves with 100 being like the absolute best they were capable of that day. And they just have to like, after the performance, just say like, how did I do relative to what I thought was my um, overall performance? Because quite often it takes them out of that emotional state. And, you know, I, at swimming, we have so many brilliant analytical people and you can just see the, the gears shift to they get into the analytical part and all of a sudden they're like dissecting. Well, I actually think, you know, I could have, and then like here's that. where I, you know, and, and you get into the, like you, it's a launching point for future conversations. Like, Hey, maybe next time you and I should have a conversation goal setting around what you think you're capable of or what you think the highest level of, you know, so um, you can prepare for the emotions on either side of anything. Um, there's just a lot there. And I think, uh, having something is always better than having nothing. Well, I, a couple of things. I think that idea of like, it's almost like you're coaching yourself, right? Like, it's almost like you're watching a video of your performance, not as you. And right. then you can analyze it without being wrapped up in all the emotions. And I would also say, I, I love that you're saying like, the ability to like, do any one of these things immediately gives people the feeling of um, having a plan and, and talking about these things. And I would go back to what I talked about in the beginning. And I think the goal of all of this, and this is why it's just so important to get started. It's so important to, I hope everybody takes the six step framework and implements one of them, like, or all mm. of them. I don't, I, that, that's, I want everybody to do this because I'm sick of people sitting on the sideline wondering what to do, because here's right. the thing that happens. Even if you do it wrong, even if you do it wildly wrong, and by the way, you won't, but even if you do the message that this is important and that you aren't alone in your mental bullshit in your head is right. powerful in and of itself. Right. Because so many people are sitting there spinning in their head, thinking they're the only ones that are fucking it all up. Excuse my language. Yeah. 
And it's just not true. <laughs> we only allow one F-bomb per episode. So now you've used it up. Okay. I'm <laughs> um, you know what I mean? And so like, I think that not the not feeling alone, especially in an individual sport, I have to say, yeah. the not yeah. feeling alone is really powerful, really powerful. And so hopefully maybe that takes some of the pressure off people listening of implementing any of this stuff, getting started and having these conversations, um, that alone makes a huge difference, a huge difference. Yeah. So I want to use that as a jumping off point because we, we, we pitched this or reframed this at the beginning as a bit of this was targeted specifically at coaches and um, you actually have a program and this is something that I've just barely dipped my toes in, right? Like I just sort of started experimenting with, um, you know, teaching some stuff um, in a, in a group setting with coaches, but um, I gather you've got something quite a bit more developed in that uh, field. And I want to give you the chance to uh, talk about it. I guess that's, that would be the mindset Academy or you, you can tell me. Yeah. Yeah. So we have a four month program in our um, mindset coach Academy and it's divided up into four stages. So this will be all very familiar to what we talked about, but step one, phase one is um, working on themselves. So coaches go through this process. They learn about how the brain works. They learn about the human brain, about how their brain works. They learn all these tools, all the cognitive behavioral stuff, all the visualization stuff. They spend a whole month in stage one working on themselves, getting coached, coaching themselves, um, only working on themselves. Yep. And then uh, stage two is the performance visualization specialist training. And that's where we do on all our imagery work. We're big on metaphors and we teach imagery and visualization and hypnosis techniques for performance. Mm. That is what we do. And for many of our students that go on to build their businesses as mindset coach coaches, that's a huge part of their business. Um, it can really differentiate them from other people. It's a great asset for their clients. They get bigger, faster results. They record them. They have apps. They you know, can deliver them to their clients in a really scalable way. So that's a huge part of our training um, and learning how to practice that themselves. It's also a little bit of a secret, like superpower that people start using with other people in their life, with their kids that's struggling with, you know, test taking or their spouse that's going into job interviews. And so that's a pretty cool part of, of our training. It's, it's the second part of the certification as far as the second certification. Um, month three is applied similar to what you were talking about, where it is all about working with clients. And we have the six-step framework. Um, they really get out and there's a ton of practicum. Yeah. I always say we are not into busy work at all, but by the end of the four months, you are going to have worked with a lot of clients and gotten a lot of practice. And we have training wheels. So we set people up to do this and they learn how to coach and how to teach these principles and, and just get a ton of practice. And also there's, there's the, the practical logistical pieces of working with a client, you know, the, the breakdown of your sessions and then step four and paperwork. And that's all that stuff that can really be um, yeah. kind of big in your mind if you've never done it. Right. Um, and then step, stage four is really getting your message out into the world. So that's where we talk about selling, marketing, what to charge, how to charge. We have something called value-based pricing that we teach and it's all about really taking this skill set that you've developed for three months and actually building a business. Um, and not that you can do, you know, make your hundred K in four months. This isn't like some crazy like promise, but by the end of the four months, you have either paid clients or you're ready to get paid clients. And then we have a program after that really helps you get that continued support to build your business afterwards. And that's our mastermind, but that's our four month certification. And the goal is to take you from, I don't know how to do this, but I'm interested in mindset coaching to actually having a business as a mindset and mental performance coach. Okay. So that, that, that's the target audience for that, right? I mean, it's not, as I understand it, then it's, it's not a program for people who are going to stay in day-to-day -day coaching or, or is it? Well, you know, it's, um, there's a lot of people that do, but here's the thing. They generally if not before the program starts or during the program, they often have a desire to either have this be like their retirement job 
yeah, or their side hustle or both. Like they want to work with a handful of clients or maybe they want and then and they want to work with their existing team or maybe they're a club coach and they do individual training and they want to have another skill set because maybe they're doing it already. A lot of people are actually doing this already. They just don't even of course they are. call it that, you know? Yeah. A lot of yeah. coaches are doing this. It's like the after yes. practice chat. That's mental training. Right. They just don't call it that. Yeah. Um so a lot of times people come in and I mean we have college coaches that go through it. Um, but then they like have a couple clients and it's kind of on a slow burn, but they have it to make a little extra money. Or again, maybe it's like when I'm sick of coaching and you know, whatever, then I can kind of, uh, ramp it up. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do tell, um, I have, uh, coaching friends of mine who, uh, we were talking about this before the podcast who's, who sometimes say to me, like they're envious of what I'm doing. And I'm like, you, you could do it. Like you absolutely already have skills. You don't need a master's in applied positive no. psychology, um, to jump in. Like, in fact, you're probably, as you said, you probably are doing this every day. And I guess one of the reasons why I get interested in it is, um, what I see very specifically in some coaching, and you can speak to whether you see this around coaching writ large is that, um, this is so valuable and it's being really, I think it's really being undersold um, mm -hmm. to people. So like a lot of swim coaches are, um, nobody gets into coaching to get rich, but like a lot of them are really struggling financially and yet they are delivering so much mm -hmm. to other people. So even if some part of this process is just teaching them like, hey, this stuff that you're doing, here's what it's actually worth on the mm -hmm. open market. Like, yeah. um, I think there's incredible value in that. And um, again, even as somebody who's trying to earn a living in it, I'm interested in more people um, doing it because I think it, you know, a rising tide in this is sort of going to lift all boats. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, um, I think a lot of coaches, um, like you said, they don't get into it for, for money. And it, it, but it, it's, it, there's also like this kind of poverty pledge or there's like this right. belief that they can't make money or there's a belief that like, if they do, then it, they're only going to be working with rich people. And it's like, it's not so it's black amoral and white. somehow for them to make money. Yeah. And it's yeah. really not so black and white. I mean, the thing is that burnout is a really big thing in coaching and, um, and a lot of it, not all of it, but a lot of it is delivering a lot and not getting compensated for it. Yeah. Um, and so if we can do even that in a more efficient way, or let's say all of your coaching um, improves, but you do have some private clients that actually want to invest in their personal growth in this way, and you can deliver that at a really high level, because, you know, at least in our training, you get trained, like you are creating a ton of value. We're not rubber stamping people. You're not just trying to get money out of people. You are offering an extremely valuable life-changing skill. So you have a few clients maybe on the side that are paying you a good amount and you are changing their lives. Yeah. And then you have the ability to make some more money. And again, maybe that's just a side. This is just one example, but maybe that's just a side hustle. But then it allows you to show up better for maybe some people that can't afford it as much or you can do your day job a little bit better, but you're having this thing that you really feel. And then you feel valued in the world too. That's the yeah. other thing. It's like the exchange of money and, and creating this value in the world and creating a service that you can deliver at a really high level because you are being compensated and you don't right. feel depleted and burnt out is a win, 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 win. It's just that we don't always think of it that way. We think of it like, oh, I'm going to be asking people for money. And it's like, no, you're going to be asking people if they want to change their lives. That's what this is about. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I tell fellow coaches all the time because um, sometimes, um, you know, uh, especially on the, the private coaching end of this, I'm very open with people about like what the pricing structure on is like that. And I, I rely on coaches to give me um, referrals. So I have to tell them. Um, what that stuff is. And sometimes it'll be like, Oh, geez, that, you know, that's expensive. And one of the things I say to them is because quite frequently coaches in youth sports are very frustrated um, with the kind of interactions that they're having with parents. I, I, I tell them like, I gotta be honest with you. 
probably one of the problems you're having is you're undervaluing what you're delivering uh, so much. Like just look at the way people behave when they're in a fancy French restaurant versus McDonald's. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're on their best behavior when it's white, white tablecloths and like you're delivering white tablecloth right now, but you're selling it like it's McDonald's. And so people are treating it like, you know, like they're just like that they can just complain and pop off at any moment. Like, um, the people who I've worked with who, you know, I think are, are appropriately valuing, um, what they're getting, they couldn't be easier to work with and you are doing amazing things for them. (laughs) So that it's just to say to people that, you know, I, I see a lot of stuff out there that like, Oh, like youth sports is broken and parents are ruining youth sports. And I go, no, (laughs) it's just like, there are some structural pieces that we haven't put together very well that are mean that everybody is not getting the experience that they deserve. The athletes are not getting the experience that they want to get out of it. The the parents are certainly not getting the experience of having their kid in a sport that they should be able to get out of it. And then the coach on the other end is, is also miserable and it doesn't need to be that way. All those people can, can be happy at the same time. Well, I think, um, you know, one of the things about running, your own business, whether that's skill training or mental performance training. One of the things that I'm super focused on for myself, and I think this might be relevant is, you know, we always say like coach to the highest level, you know, but I think from a business standpoint, it's really about figuring out what your best, you know, you, we, you know, everybody talked about ideal customer avatar and we talk about that too, but what I would also go is to even further than that is like, who is your best favorite, easiest client to work with? Focusing on it revolving everything you want to do in your business and in your life around that person will attract that type of person. Yeah. And I think often we think of, or we try to cater, we try to make changes for basically our worst client. Right. Um, and that doesn't actually benefit them at all. And it certainly doesn't benefit us. And then, then you do get into a lot of that burnout and you keep trying to like get them to do something instead of just really focusing on, you know, that client that's just like awesome and so fun to work with and, and makes everything easier. And and here's the other thing. That's who you get results with. Right. Of course. And the only way we're going <laughs> to build our businesses is by getting results. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the same thing if you're a coach on a day-to-day team. I mean, at the end, parents are paying a lot of money to have their kid do a thing and, and, and giving up more than just money, lots of time and effort mm-hmm. and some stress in their own lives like it should be a really good experience on the other end. Um, And I think you're right. Often when we sort of uh, try to, to yeah, sort of cater downwards um, it, it leads to a negative experience for the people who could, who are, who are already bought in and could be just having an amazing time doing every piece of, of what they're doing. Um, Anything else that I promised we would talk about that I haven't gotten to yet, Lindsay, because I'm, I'm starting to realize we're, we're running low on time and I want to respect that. No. Yeah, no, we're good. I think, um, like I said, I can give you some links. Um, but if, if people are interested in me being a, a mental performance coach, I would get that guide. Um, Mm -hmm. because it just has so many of these questions. Like, what do I charge? Where do I get clients? Who do I work with? What would I teach them? Do I need to get certified? Do I need to get a degree? You know, like all the questions that usually pop up for people when they're even thinking that this could be a possibility. And I would also just say, as you've said, so many coaches, potential business owners or mental performance coaches are literally sitting on the sidelines because they're just like, I don't How do you even, where do you, I don't know where to get started. And I would say this guide is where to get started. And that's basically who I wrote it for is because there were so many people that were like, and here's the thing, like we talked about already, many of these people are extremely qualified. Yes. Like I believe our certification puts you on another level, but I also know that a lot of people go through our certification are like, I learned kind of how to put what I already knew together. Yeah. And it gave me the confidence to realize that like my 20 years of playing or swimming or competing and coaching experience, I can put that into something. I actually have a lot of knowledge. So 
you know, that's one of the things I think that can really help too, is like our certification isn't just about, you need more tools, you need more tools. That's not really what it is. If you don't know any tools, we can teach you the tools, but it also might be you figuring out that like, oh, wow, I actually know a lot. And this is how I can put it together. And this is how I can package it. And this is how I can help more people. And this is how I can have a full-time or side hustle business. So I would definitely encourage them to get that guide. Um, I'll give you the link um, for your show notes, but again, it's at positiveperformancetraining.com forward slash guide. All right. Any other pl places you want to plug people, ways people should follow you if they're curious, if they're as curious um, well, as me and they want to know more? Yeah. Yeah. I have my own podcast, which Chris is potentially going to be a, a guest on. I got to figure that out with our timing, but, um, put me let's on. See. Um, that's a mindset coach Academy podcast. So, um, I talk a lot about these principles, um, on there. So I definitely encourage people to, to, to do that. And then, um, Instagram, let me see at Lindsay positive <laughs> perform, you know, at Lindsay positive perform. I'm so I'm bad with my own plugs. So <laughs> I know. Usually yeah, my podcast and Instagram. That's what I would go. My my usual um, co-host, uh, Joel, we get to the end of these podcasts and he's like, um, maybe you should tell people, you know, where to follow you on social media. And he always has to give me a little poke um, <laughs> in, the, in the sidelines. Um, I want to say thank you to everybody for listening to the swim brief. Thank you to Lindsay for coming. If you want to, see more positive psychology content from me. It's been a little sparse recently, but uh, with the school year back in and my kids back yeah. in school, things are ramping back in. I'm Chris D underscore coach on Instagram. Um, Christopher DeSantis on uh, YouTube. And uh, these podcasts are under the swim brief. You can get them on Spotify and Apple podcasts. Um, and yeah. I'll see you guys all next week. And thanks, Lindsay. Thanks, Chris, Again. so much.